Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast from January 5th, 2019. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about the current projects we are working on. Yeah, as, as every podcast. <laughs> uh, we're, ta we're also talking about the news that are pretty sparse because it's early 2019, so nothing really has happened. But CES is coming up and I'm going to Murph. Maybe Stefan is too. And then this or that, we talk about whether we should give up on ABS or build an enclosure. And uh, in the topic of the week, we are talking about or discussing about what we want to like, to, what we would like to see in 2019, um, in terms of new hardware, new software, new firmware. And finally, we will talk about your questions that you can also send us for the next episode uh, down in the comments or tweet them to us at the Melt Zone. Snow, snow. <laughs> let, let me just add that note because. <laughs> Snow is like the the main topic. Snow snow is really like the main topic. So yeah, I had been in Munich yesterday and it was kind of starting to snow at the, well, the whole day it was, was snowing a little bit. Yeah. And then we were driving ba uh, back home and it was fine. But this morning we already had like 10 or 15 centimeters of snow lying outside. And since then it is snowing and snowing and snowing and it, looking at the weather report it's just getting worse and it, it stopped snowing on your side oh yeah yeah on your yeah, side of the border it's <laughs> of the Bavarian border yeah <laughs> no it's it's nice because we right now it's it's not snowing and it, it usually it's in the morning it snows and then it goes into slush and rain <laughs> so yeah it's it's not been it's not been too pretty but you know it's nice to have some snow every now and then because it's it was way too warm and it, it both has its up and downs. Of course, yeah. driving the snow is fun, but when you have no solar uh, coming down from your from your ten kilowatt peak uh, solar array, it's <laughs> uh, it's kind of frustrating. But that's how it is. But is your BMW touring a all wheel drive? No, just a regular rear-wheel drive, which Ooh. is the most fun in snow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the most practical, but... I don't have a handbrake anymore, and this is killing me in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those guys with the electronic yeah. handbrake. Oh, yeah. It's really uh, hard. I, I feel sorry for you, man. <laughs> yeah, and the electronic one uh, doesn't really work for drifting. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So you have the advantage still of a real, real, real wheel drive. But yeah, yes, no drifting for me anymore. <laughs> Too bad. Well, but yeah, stay safe out there. It's public roads after all. Talking about snow and being cool outside. Current projects I'm working on, or I had been <laughs> working on CPU cooler mount. <laughs> oh, do, we, oh, do you? Well, uh, we have been talking about that. I think two seasons, uh, two episodes ago, that I bought myself a new workstation for editing and. Yeah. other high demand things and <laughs> <laughs> and, and <Yeah>. gaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um yeah i bought this machine and i actually even bought a new cooler with it but just when i bought the machine i noticed that i, I had a really nice big old tower cooler for my um well other old pc still lying around but the problem was that i couldn't mount it because the um, uh, it did not support the AM4 mount of my um, of the new mainboard. 
So, um, I had been writing a Twitter post about that and you have been speaking uh, about some magical witchcraft <laughs> machines that could manufacture parts for making that work. And yeah, I actually thought exist. about that. Yeah, they do exist. <laughs> um Yeah, and I had been doing that. Uh, um, I really uh, uh, started working on that project. I had, I, well, I did receive a really nice roll of like carbon fiber nylon, which I thought was very suitable for that project because um, carbon fiber, it's stiff. It's maybe good yeah. replacement for the steel bracket I had before. Um, carbon fiber, yeah, and nylon since the I thought so. I thought the thermal, um, uh, the thermal resistivity um, against like creep and everything was also good for the applications in my PC. And I did that, and I had some really long um, rendering sessions. <laughs> the last oh, right, couple, yeah. of, <laughs> the last some load on the CPU uh, yeah. the, with lots of load on the CPU uh, a couple of days ago, and just. At some point, my screen went black and I already uh, knew, oh, I think I know what was happening. <laughs> and the thing is, this, uh, I actually do have it back here. Uh, I don't know if you can see. It's a chunky part. Yeah, it's a really chunky part. So um, it has to withstand some, well, kind of high forces due to the clamping force you need for the CPU Well, the uh, yeah. the the the, the um, how you say um, the well You've pressure to... between the cooler and the CPU uh, that the thermal Anpressdruck. Anpressdruck, <laughs> yeah. that the thermal connectivity is is high, um, and then um, you also need to like withstand the weight of the cooler, which is kind of heavy. This big one, yeah. Um, these coolers have been getting like. Not not just that it's heavy, but it's also like yeah. the main board is, is mounted vertically yeah. and then you have this thing sticking out, yes. maybe 14 centimeters yeah. uh, or something. And it's well, more than that even. Yeah. And that, that they regularly tear off. Mm. That's the main one. Uh, <laughs> they regularly tear off during shipping if you just have an unsupported cool like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So um, it didn't work. I was I was kind of upset because this was a roll of really expensive carbon fiber nylon. Well, I have also noticed that there is kind of a design flaw in there and I fixed it in the in the second version, but um yeah, I gave it another try actually. Um again with the um nano diamond PLA and annealing that because I thought yeah, It, it's also really stiff, comparable to the carbon fiber filled uh, materials and the thermal resistivity or the, well, softening point is also kind of high yep. if you kneel it. And I actually put it into my machine like two or three days ago and I had more rendering sessions. <laughs> <laughs> and it since then, uh, it worked. Uh, I'm currently not recording the podcast on that machine because i don't want uh it to break down but yeah it has been working and i hope it will be working in the future um otherwise i need to either get back to the stock cooler which came with my C cpu or i need to modify um some of the old brackets that i well get it yeah. back into machine and am4 isn't that different from from you know am2 am3 uh, yeah, one right yeah no it's not really that different just the whole spacing is a little different so the slightly off yeah, yeah. 
Mm. My old bracket. Why do they, why do they have to change it by like two millimeters so that you, you're just incompatible? Uh, well, um, it's good for yeah. the economy because you will buy a new oh, <laughs> CPU right. cooler. Right. Forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so annealing nylon is actually a thing. Well, sorry so, to keep you from from no, sipping a tea there. No problem. Um, um, annealing nylon is a thing, but I actually didn't anneal the nylon. I did the new mount in the um, nano diamond filled PLA. Right. So yeah, this is annealable, but I think nylon is also annealable in one way that you um, kind of release the internal stresses that come from the the printing process. And shouldn't that make it stiffer if the stresses are still there? It would make it probably a little bit stiffer, but um, well, it's more ductile in the end. I think it would not be good for this application. Um, and I don't know if I'm wrong there, but um, nylon is also something like a semi-crystalline material. So um, it could increase the crystallinity a little, the annealing process, but I'm not sure about that. So yeah, um, yeah the new if, one if is... If someone is a is a polymer expert, please leave a comment because I'm, I'm not sure about that either. Nylons um, <laughs> are still so new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anneal PLA is currently in the machine. I hope it will last. I will take it out of my computer in the next, next couple of days and just see if it warped yeah if it warped warped i will replace it if it did not warp i will continue leaving it in my machine um yeah it was kind of it upset me a little bit that um i thought yay you have kind of expensive material you have good printers <laughs> you can do everything <laughs> but um yeah for some applications 3d printing or the materials we currently have might not just be perfectly suitable metals yeah. are sometimes just better maybe even an abs would have been better we're going to talk about that in a second um as the the this or that but yeah have, have you tried abs for this i have printed it out of abs just just out of curiosity but abs is just um too soft yeah Due to the Bianchi modulus is just by like a factor of four smaller than the um, carbon fill carbon fiber filled nylon and the um, nano diamond reinforced PLA, so I don't think that it's a hundred percent suitable for that application. Okay, yeah, and I mean after all, we're talking about replacing a part that is usually uh, made out of like one and a half millimeter stamped sheet metal. Yes. So the the original parts are very rigid, and they, they do need to to be under pressure to provide that that clamping force onto the CPU. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's Makes it's sense. challenging. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been, been working on over your Christmas holiday? Yeah, same as you, taxes. Um, but um, I, I don't think taxes are that exciting to talk about. Um, they're not very exciting to do, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, taxes. And I've, I mean, the, the interesting thing is I've been working on getting my, my DIY printers kind of revived. Um, the service reborn, the big delta, um, that's been kind of sitting idle because the main board's been going in and out of that. Um, that has a smoothie board, and I've I've just got it running again. Um, and also the Mendel nine thousand, which I've been 
like working on for a while it's it's been my main printer for a while and then like others came along and just kind of sat there so i've, I've rebuilt that it has linear rails and it has Ooh. modular design and i mean it, it's it's been a long time coming um is the mendel 9000 the mendel that you made out of uh, osb boards or is that is that your mendel not, 90 not osb um so the i've my, my very first own printer was uh okay it was a pressure too but but out of that i built the mendel 90 out of uh out of mdf out of the same parts mm -hmm. because the mendel 90 uh the knophead design it's i think it's still a great design because it's it's like so modular and versatile mm -hmm. literally get a, a config that you can put in okay i want to use uh this sort of rail i want to make it this big i want to use these belts and it literally generates a cutting sheet and stl files that fit those exact specs you put in um so the the mdf mendel 90 was my second printer and off of that i was like okay you know i can build this like massively so i built it out of i think 18 millimeter plywood um basically a 400 by 200 by 200 build envelope um and that's that's been my workhorse for a long long time and yeah um very very elegant design but i've, I've reprinted most of the parts so now that i can use it for testing hot end sports uh different belts different everything cool and it, it kind of it kind of came to a halt in the wiring process because wiring is just such a uh, dull task i guess <laughs> and and very non-enjoyable it does have full drag chains and, and total overkill for for wiring a, a kraken in there but mm. yeah i i dropped the do it in there that i've had for a while and I'm just at the point now where, where I update the firmware on the do it and uh, flash uh, the config, configure it and, and and set all that up. And that's been that's been fun actually getting stuff done and just being being able to do okay. I'm gonna install this and this is the process and it's just gonna it's it's nice being able to do it that way where it's where you're seeing progress. Maybe a stupid question, but what kind of firmware are you running on the Duet board? Is it Moreland 2.0 or is is some proprietary I, firmware? I'm actually not quite sure if Marlin 2.0 is running um, or is, is supporting the CPU that's running on the Duet. Um, the Duet uses the same CPU as the Arduino Duet, which is where, kind of where the name comes from. Um, and it's the RepRap firmware, basically. It's... Um, the the guys at uh yeah do it 3d right um and adrian bauer and, and all the the core team um they are providing that rep rep firmware it's a 32-bit firmware that does you know a bit of web serving and some servering and you know a, a few nice advanced mechanical things um but it's all open source mm -hmm. right it's not like blocking you into anything and yeah it's it, it really hinges around the fact that you have a web interface um the main do it boards are either the wi-fi or the ethernet so you plug that into your network and you do basically everything through a web browser you be it, be it uh, updating firmwares controlling the printer uploading print files all that and that's really nice and also it has a, a ton of processing power so it does stuff like deltas or hang printers or you know, all the, the other crazy geometries really effortlessly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, the the Mendel 9000 doesn't have 
one board that it's going to be using. I'm, it's it's wired up specifically to be um, very easy to take every component out, including the main board. So I'll be testing, you know, the the new what's it called? Not the replicate the. The new all-in-one board from from Ilias Bakken. Um, I'm going to be testing 32-bit boards. I'm going to be testing Marlin 2.0 in there once it's once it's done and running. That's pretty cool. If you have such a modular system for checking out all of these different things, especially also something which well I have thought about is the uh, the belts you mentioned before. So you can yeah. now get the really high-quality belt from E3D, and I would really yeah, like the, to know if you know, there's the a difference in print quality or and oh yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> there is. There is so, so much. Uh, just just by the fact that uh, the the well knockoff or, or cheapo builds just use less glass fiber. Okay. Um, it's it's just you know you put more glass fiber into the belt, it gets more rigid. It gets stiffer, so you get less ringing. It's, okay. Yeah, it very much makes a difference. Okay, so I should really get myself some of these new belts and um, try them out. I actually bought some other kind of mid-range belts i think already a year ago and i thought about well testing them in my tensile test machine just to see if there is a measurable difference in stiffness and then to see if there is also a difference in print quality but i never got to that but well a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago actually when um, they have shown that they are now selling these um, high quality belts i thought oh this could be a really interesting topic i did not really hear that much about at least on youtube which is my main yeah, source it, of information it's it's kind of an, an overlooked topic because it, it it seems i mean it's it's not a very exciting topic like belts come on it's you know here's one this one looks exactly the same like you know why would i pay 10 times as much for this but but it's it, it would be a really easy well optimization of your printer because you don't have to like um disassemble your whole printer and uh, just swap out the belts the all the chinese printer they mostly use like zip ties for um getting them into place so in like yeah. Uh, a couple of minutes you have one really great update um so i think this is something really interesting uh my i think that there's been like uh i've, I've seen one or two videos about this where it's um really cheap print and you it, it, it really improves the quality okay. of, of what you're getting in your print but yeah um it's it's not a very obvious upgrade i think mm -hmm. um the, the more obvious one would be hey i'm going to put in the 32-bit board which we're also going to talk about hopefully later on um but yeah it's all these details that that kind of separate the boys from the men um or the girls from the women <laughs> uh you know it's it's the um it's it's all the stuff that that people don't really see you buy an i3 print and it's like okay this one is this 800 and this one's 200 dollars like it's the same thing right um but i don't want to harbor on that yeah yeah belts how did we get to belts um because <laughs> you, you have you have talked yeah. about belts in your modular printer and right. just that topic came up in my head and this is something which i really wanted to talk about for quite a while or which i wanted to work on for quite a while but yeah yeah so <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping it's it's I, i'll i'll 
get around to uh, actually testing stuff on it, it is built to be very easily swappable. Mm. Um, so because it's plywood, everything is just mounted to straight plywood planks, literally. Like the, the <laughs> mount for the X-axis belt is four screws here, four screws here. So idle on this side, idle on that side, and then a single screw that couples like the, the loop closing clamp mm. onto my X-carriage. It, it is built extremely simply. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping that that's going to help me more easily test things on that. Yeah. Um, you briefly talked about taxes before, and this is really not a an interesting topic, but it kind of affected at least my work for the last like two or three months because it has been consuming that much time because I had to do taxes for the last two years. And well, The problem is also myself because I didn't always print out the receipts when I bought something or the invoices. Oh, you're not alone on that. <laughs> so I kind of was like for days writing messages to all of the, the sellers where I, well, purchased stuff. And this has cost me weekends and weekends. And well, since I'm working full time, the weekends are usually reserved for making videos. So, um, This was kind of the reason why I didn't make that much content during the last two months because a oh, horrible topic. And <laughs> if I'm just thinking about it, it yeah. makes me a headache. It's, yeah, that, that that's the thing, right? It's not just it's taking up your time, but it's also just pushing you down so much <sighs> because it's, it's such brain dead work. Um, there's no there's no like creative fulfillment in there or no challenge. It is literally just grind work that you do. Yeah. Um, And you, you're not alone in that. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been slacking off on, on doing that, you know, the counting and, and bookkeeping and, and that sort of stuff over the last months too. Because I've, I, mean, I mean, I've always had better stuff to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff that actually profits people. Productive. Well, for, for my first year, it was, yeah. it was at least worth the time because I got money back because I invested way much more money that I made in my first year of YouTube. But for like 2018, I have to do that work and I have to pay additional taxes when I'm finished with yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, the outcome, the result isn't even worth oh, it. Oh, no. And that really sucks. <laughs> I need yeah. an accountant. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it's how it is. I mean, we, we all, you know, we, we pay our taxes. Um, not How do, you, how do you say it? I, I enjoy paying taxes because I, I know at some points it, it goes to the right places and we, we, we're in the good position that we can afford to pay taxes yeah. and, you know, it's 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 all good. Good health care. It's, it's just getting there. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, yeah, health care. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't get the Americans mad. <laughs> uh, uh, should, should, we, should we move on? We, we were talking about not getting much stuff done. Um, yes. It was the holiday season, Christmas season, New Year's, which is... You know, in Germany especially, is kind of the, the time where nothing really happens. From the 24th uh, of December to the 6th of January, it's like the time swishing in yon between the years. Um, and most people are off work. Yeah. Most most normal people are <laughs> off work during that time and just hang back and, and relax with the family. Um, and, you know, news-wise, of course, that means that, you know, there are no real news that come out and... You know, people are off work, nobody pays attention to news, so nobody's really releasing anything or announcing anything, unless it's stuff that they politicians don't want people to notice. <laughs> um, but uh, 
yeah uh no no real news so news section is pretty short um i do have two things in, in notes here so first of all ces is coming up yeah i think it's happening like like this weekend or, or next week it's like these days when so when, when the podcast is coming out it's probably happening right then uh, and and joel is going there 3d printing there oh, cool um well it's not too far for him well it's it's like uh, to to vegas, to vegas uh, i mean it's it's a it's like a two or three hour flight but the thing is doing ces like vegas is crazy vegas is, is crazy anyways but uh i mean he, he, he was posting on twitter about like a hotel room is 1500 uh dollars a night what? <laughs> usually usually well i have been at the west coast like five or six years ago and vegas was always the place where you could stay really cheap in a really nice hotel room but yeah if there are exhibitions there i well it's the, oh, yeah, yeah it's same in munich same in frankfurt when the big true yeah cs is actually from the 8th of january to the 11th so that's monday probably oh, is it? uh, it's tuesday, tuesday till friday tuesday to friday next week probably this week yeah when <laughs> when, when you're listening it's this week um so that's ces i'm uh, I never know what CES is kind of about because it's like it's everything and nothing kind of like that. There's so much happening and so so much noise going on. Mm. Um, actually, I think that the biggest announcement I'm hoping for for CES is not 3D printing; it's camera related. I'm hoping Panasonic finally announces not their full frame S1 and S1R cameras, but that that sweet juicy 10 to 25 millimeter f1.7. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been already saving your I'm, money for that. I, I want that thing so bad because it, it's like it's the lens that literally does everything. Yeah, it it can replace almost every lens that I have on on my cameras at any time. So I I want that. I want two of those. <laughs> I'm just gonna get rid of every other piece of glass <laughs> I have and and just. What was those. the focal range? Ten to twenty five. Ten to twenty five. So because Micro Four Thirds has two times crop, so that's a yeah. twenty two fifty millimeter equivalent at f one point seven. Okay. Yeah, I'm currently looking at my camera and it's, well, I have the 12 to 35 f 2.8 on, on there. Constant, yeah. Yeah, but it's going to be a big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a, a big chunky piece of glass for sure. Um, but yeah, if it does everything, I, I, I'm kind of scared of, of how much that thing is going to cost. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the best uh, Micro Four Thirds lenses are already like 14, 1500 uh, euros. And having the same, hopefully, optical quality and, and, and f1.7 over a zoom lens. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping they announce that. Yeah. Well, I didn't really follow that much of, well, CES news. Um, I don't know if there is much 3D printing there. Uh, well, lots of televisions and probably mobile phones will be shown there. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, Joel, Joel is going to report back from CES, I'm, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, he's pretty follow, busy. Follow he's traveling that. around all the time. Yeah, he's just been to to the UK, right? Yeah. Oh, I was really envy uh, of him being there because it was also like, hey, well, why didn't they invite me? I'm, I'm, I'm closer, you know. <laughs> it's so, all about subscribers. <laughs> true, true. I guess that they're going for the biggest fish there. Um, so yeah, he was at, at Siemens, yeah. um, where they announced like a new metal printing facility, something. Yeah. 
in the UK and they flew him over from the US to the UK yeah. for like a, a day, yeah. <laughs> which is by itself just kind of crazy. Well, if you if you are interested uh, interested in in professional metal and plastic 3D printing, why not visit EOS one time in uh, in Kreiling? It's just like one and a half hours yeah, from you. I've talked to them before, but I've I've not gotten around to them, and it's we should go there. I, I, I well, I've been there several times already, and it's they have a really interesting showroom there. Yeah, well, showroom, but but are they open to to also showing the stuff that you don't usually see in the marketing brochures? Uh, they have interesting stuff there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, factory tours always are 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 tough to do. First of all, because it it can take a ton of effort to not just shoot, but then also to edit. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also very that they vary a lot in what result you get. I mean, you might get a, t a guy that is like super boring to to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like the marketing guy that that recites all the stuff that everybody knows already. Yeah. Um, or you might get someone that, you know, knows to tell their story well. And it, it, you never know what you're going to get before you do it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, CES and, and EOS. Uh, well, maybe maybe EOS at that. Sounds good. Um, but also Murph. You're you're not going to Murph, are you? Uh, I have. I'm I'm still thinking about it. I don't know if I can free my schedule. Um, yeah, it's a weekend. Yeah, it's a weekend. <laughs> I don't. Well, I I have read that you'll be going. How long will be you be staying oh, yeah. in the US? Uh, so I'll be I'll be there just for Murph for all of Murph. So last year I think I, I yeah I came in late. Friday, so around midnight, checked into the hotel, into the hotel, and was there Friday and Saturday, and then left on Monday. Ooh. And this year, I'm actually flying in a bit earlier on Friday, so that I actually do get to to join that first evening of Murph, and then I fly back out on Monday. Cool. And I do have a hotel room with with uh, was it not double beds or, or you'd you'd have a, a bed <laughs> if you if you want that. <laughs> If you're up for I, I, I'm really thinking about it, and if it's just the weekend, I can totally do that with my work. And oh, I haven't been to the US for like two years, and I'm really looking forward to go back there because I always enjoy being there. All the nice guys, all the good food. <laughs> uh, the only problem is that it's March, and it's I think well not the nicest time to be there. But there are probably going to be yeah, lots well, of interesting people was... around. Last year it was quite chilly, yeah, but it's it's an indoor event, so yeah, <laughs> whatever. But one of the things which uh, is so great about the US is the countryside, the vastness, this ah. Oh. oh yeah, the Midwest is the exact right place to go for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like there's literally nothing there. Seeing seeing cornfields for the next like couple of thousand miles. Ah, oh. yeah. I mean, the I guess the the most. <sighs> The, the the thing I, I was surprised about the most is because I mean the no not Elkhart but the Goshen yeah the the area there that is like deep Amish country <laughs> um, and I mean you, you know the Amish uh, very religious people very you know uh, how do I put this but the the one thing you see is you see those those small like one or two seater horse carriages parked around like and parked around and and, and riding around like it's it's People use that as like a, a form of transport. It's, it's. <laughs> I kind of like the idea, but it's, <laughs> it's just you're not used to that. Yeah, um, and it's, that 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 kind of really tells you. Okay, you're you're 
you're not in your usual big town right now. You're you're in a you're in a special place. <laughs> yeah, well, I really need to check my schedule and maybe book the flights better earlier than later. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna forward you the flight that oh, I booked. That? It was like seven hundred thirty euros or something for for both ways. Okay. Um, via Sweden, so it, it's not a direct flight. Is it with Lufthansa um, or? It's uh, Air Air something Swedish Airlines. Do they have a, an airline? But Probably. last year I flew with with Polish Airlines via Warsaw, and that was, I mean, you, you wrong fly direction. the wrong way for for, for <laughs> two hours. And via Sweden, it's not that bad. It's still like a thirteen hour trip, but it would have either been staying an extra day um, or flying in a, a day earlier with Lufthansa mm. with direct connection. Um, which does add on, you know, it, it's a full extra day that you're spending mm. there. Um, or paying like 1,500 euros for a direct flight um, on the day that I actually want to go. So, yeah. Where are you actually um, flying to? What's the next big city there? So, <laughs> there's, it, there's it, not a lot. Well, is there. it in Illinois or in which state? Yeah, it's, um, it's Illinois and it's uh, Chicago that you're basically flying okay. into. So, Chicago, O'Hare. Um, Detroit is actually... Detroit and Indianapolis. Wait, in no, it's not Illinois. It's Indiana. Indiana, Indiana right? Um, so yeah, the, the airport everyone flies into is Chicago here, okay. um, and that's that. That makes the most sense. I, I looked into flights from Detroit and from uh, Indianapolis, and there's there's just nothing, not a lot happening there. So Chicago is the is the place you fly well, into. Well, when I was in, well, next to. Detroit like 10 years ago I think Delta is flying from Stuttgart to over Atlanta to Detroit and that's more or less the cheapest flight you can get there but it's it's still kind of expensive and and it's right. quite a ride going from Detroit all through Michigan to Indiana well it's a if, if you look at the map like it's it's that triangle of let me mirror this for the camera. Here's Chicago, here's Detroit, and here's Indianapolis. And it's like in the dead center is where you want to go. So it's still a three-hour car ride from uh, Chicago to Gosha. Ah, you are totally right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rental car. Yeah. Got that booked. Um, not a big deal. It's just, you know, you, you put on cruise control and it's, it's nice roads for the oh, most yeah. part. That's not an issue. Well... <laughs> this part of the country would be really nice if it would be like may or june <laughs> <laughs> yeah it can get really chilly and cold oh, yeah. and windy and rainy um the one like half day i got to spend in chicago last year was wet and cold and uncomfortable and i, I looked out onto the great lake and it was like fog nice <laughs> <laughs> okay seeing that let's move on let's get to the airport yeah so yeah, I'll check my schedule and well, may For maybe sure. if maybe I can make it as well. I sh I should actually go there. It would be like a really yes. interesting experience. I've I've been putting it off for way too long. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the years before the 2017-16, people were always like, "Hey, you gotta go!" And it's uh, twenty eighteen. I finally went. It was it was amazing. It's like it's the core spirit of mm -hmm. what. 3d printing is and what the community mm. is all about so if you get the chance definitely go for yeah. it well if you need a sponsor sure we, <laughs> we can arrange something by the way if somebody's listening who would want to sponsor my trip there um hit me up <laughs> sponsors at tom3d.org yeah um and if you want to sponsor Stefan. yeah hi 
<laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm kind of a shy guy, so I usually wouldn't go there. Oh, me too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go there. Don't my worry own, about so. it. Everyone's like that there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's uncomfortable. A couple of nerds. <laughs> for sure <laughs> so I, I you, you'll definitely okay, enjoy that perfect <laughs> cool uncomfortable topics let's move on to something that we're more comfortable with <laughs> this or that today's topic is build an enclosure or give up on abs um so i don't know pla is usually the material most of us are well best uh they have the best knowledge and the best experience with abs was like the first material of 3d printing but it has become something uh, many don't really do anymore um due to several issues um hot end heat bed enclosure warping cracking of parts and all of that um so I, I think it's it's a pretty clear cut, at least in, in my case, where my, my printing rooms are relatively cool. Um, if you're not printing in a, in a conditioned space where it's like 25 degrees all the mm-hmm. time, Celsius, um, you really need an enclosure to print ABS or ABS polycarbonate or just straight up polycarbonate, which which is, you know, very similar material to ABS. Uh, I think it is really that clear cut. Either you build an enclosure, you put the printer in it, or you just don't print mm-hmm. ABS because... Getting ABS to work on a on a non enclosed machine is just such a pain. Mm. Like you might get a print that looks good, um, but it's not going to have good layer adhesion for the most mm. part, uh, or it's going to peel off the bed, or it's going to do some other weird stuff. But as soon as you put your printer in an enclosure and it gets to like say 30, 35, 40, maybe at max uh, degrees in there, just air temperature. It's all good. Like ABS is such a non-issue to print in an enclosure. And it's um, and you'll get really nice looking prints. So like the, just the, yeah. the the flow of the melt of ABS is great. It, it's so creepy. Yeah, it's so creepy. <laughs> You've been talking about that with um in one of the first podcasts where you were at E3D. Um that also, well, with ABS you have the opportunity to print like really small parts because it flows so well through the nozzle and this is kind of nice well some some types of abs um the mg94 is like the the classic Mm. um that works with the 0.15 millimeter nozzles um because it 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 can actually flow through refuses that are that Mm. small um so how are you so yeah actually usually handling abs do you have lots of enclosed printers I do have that one box that I put uh, a Prusa into every now and then. Um, well, the, the Prusa lives in there. I just remove the front mm-hmm. cover door or whatever. Um, and right now, the Mark III is in there. The Mark II, Mark II used to be in there. It's just, you know, it's literally just a, a plywood box, former shipping crate. I, I stuffed like a foam padding thing into the front so that it's where i, I, I lean a, an, an obs osb osb <laughs> oh yes it's a different thing uh i lean an osb board on on the front and it's just i mean it's not even mm-hmm. airtight right um you don't want to cook your your printer it's just it's a box i have two two nice resist lights in the in the top so i can see in there it's just a box and and prusa have been like showing people how to build something out of I- ikea luck tables mm-hmm um really inexpensive and and easy to do and you don't need much of an enclosure but it it it, it, it helps so much <laughs> i actually i actually had been using like for a whole year only a an old really big 
cardboard box and I just put yeah. the printer on the floor in my in my basement, started the print and then just put the the yeah. big cardboard Absolutely. box above it. Uh, it it worked great. Um, the only issue I always had is like um, that it's not really that fireproof. Um, but it, yeah, it's more or less the most easy solution you can do. As long as you're not putting an eight eight in there, it should be fine. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we, 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 I guess we're both on that on that track of hey, ABS is kind of useful, and we'd rather have an enclosure. Um, it's it's still a hassle to print with compared to PLA. I gotta be totally honest I don't there. Think so. <sighs> um. And, and, well, personal yeah, experience here. Well, starting enclosure, from the smell, set up. It's like because yeah. True. So if you have a separate room for your printers, even printing ABS is not that bad because you can you just have the smell in that room, and if you're just there for a couple of minutes, it well it smells, but, <laughs> but it's not the healthiest. It's thing. not the healthy um, healthiest thing. But if true. you are in an injection molding company, the people work in that. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm always surprised about how little ventilation there actually is mm -hmm. with injection molding, and it, you, you smell the stuff really yeah. bad there. Um, but you have some really cool benefits if you're working with ABS, and this is not only like the higher temperature stability of the material; it's also that it's kind of impact resistant. It is really ductile. You can. Yeah. Vapor smooth it. Oh yeah. Uh, this is apart from the from the uh, from the Dremel printer, uh, which I'm currently working on, um, and this just showed me again. Uh, working with ABS and smoothing your prints can be something so nice because you get a glossy finish in the end, and it just works. Yeah. That that for sure. I mean. People keep asking me about, hey, how can I vapor smooth PLA? And I'm always like, dude, you don't want to, you don't want to have that stuff that does that in your house. Uh, Actually, chloroform yeah, that, that, can do that, or I believe yeah. so. Yeah, it's hard. No, <laughs> I'm not sure you want to work with that. You can. And and I'm not. I'm also not not quite sure where you'd actually buy chloroform these um, days. I am. I, I feel like in the '50s it was quite a, a quite well available but <laughs> i think you can't get it as a yeah. normal citizen yeah. in germany yeah or at least you end up on some watch yeah. list <laughs> um but but do we do we actually need abs do we have alternatives do we have ptg that does well, almost the same stuff um ptg gets into the direction but you don't have the benefit of being able to vapor smooth it um it can be brittle um yeah it is not as temperature resistant as abs so there are some downsides there is still a place for abs or actually in my opinion asa would even be the better candidate but it's just not um that well that common it's not that easily available yeah. and it's also because it's not that available it's just more expensive yeah. as well um yeah i mean i find myself when it, when it's any part that could get hot like for the mpc and see i i don't have the parts mm. up here anymore but i i printed a motor mount for a brushless 400 watt uh, spindle mm -hmm. and i was like okay 
And the rest of the MPC and C is actually printed from PLA. That's the recommendation, which is interesting. <laughs> it's but, stiff. It's um, stiff. It's yeah, yeah. And it's it it doesn't it doesn't get hot. No. At least if it gets hot, there's something seriously wrong with your bearings. But um, yeah, the the motor mount, I, I was like, okay, do I print this out of PTG? Mm, I don't know. Let's just use ABS just to be sure, just to be safe. Um, but it's it's that thing again where it's, it probably doesn't need to be ABS. PTG would probably have been fine as mm. well. But the thing is, we, we need some sort of some temperature resistant material. We can't just say, okay, PLA all the things. Um, that's uh, would just limit our application so mm. much. So would, I, I, I guess that's would nylon would yeah. nylon be an alternative for you um, in comparison to ABS? Nylon, I, I've always found nylon is is a bit too soft for many things, at least when it's not carbon fiber mm-hmm. filled. And it's also a bit tougher to print because just getting it to stick on a bit, um, that can be a, a, quite the challenge. And overhangs also quite often don't print as nicely with the, with the nylons I've tested. And the moisture problem. But we, we'll, yeah, ta- well, we'll that, talk about that assuming yeah, that you've... This is... <laughs> that's assuming that you've already <laughs> have uh, a well-dried yeah. uh, yeah. nylon. So do you think there's still room for ABS or... Do you do you think that P, uh, PTG would be like a good alternative for it? I mean, I've I've been a, I've been a fan of PTG for a while. I think for for I feel like I've talked about this before. We should we should start keeping like a, a, an Excel spreadsheet of, of topics we've we've covered on the podcast. Um, I feel like PTG can do you know ninety eight percent of the applications that that ABS might be used for. In fact, Prusa just switched to. Uh, PTG for for their printers from from formerly printing everything in ABS, so I mean if it's good enough for for that, there's not much left where you actually need ABS, mm. where a PTG probably wouldn't be able to to cope. Now the one thing that I still like about ABS versus PTG is it doesn't anneal it or heat treat. Um, it doesn't crystallize after the mm. fact. Um, and I've had that happen on specifically a phone mount on my bike, uh, where it was fine for the most part. And then we put it on on the bike rack in the back of the car, and we had it sit in the sun. And the phone mount, which was just like mm-hmm. a C clamp, um, where the phone snaps into, it slightly shrunk, and it got brittle, or at least it got it got uh, stiffer and I don't know less ductile. That's I guess that's a better way to put it. And the first time I plopped my phone into it, it was just too tight. It snapped, and that was it. So I think that that might be a, a more subtle issue with PTG and high temperature applications, where it's it might be fine for a while, but it's it's going to change its properties over time. Okay. At least some PTGs. I think in that case it was E3 Edge. Okay. Um, yeah, and ABS. I think by 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 the nature of the copolymer makeup abs just doesn't do that it just doesn't okay. crystallize well i didn't know that ptg also well a bit anneals um you can get pure pet filament um which you can anneal and then it's really really temperature resistant um, but i always thought the glycol would more or less well again it was it was ether the edge i'm not exactly sure what the precise okay. chemical makeup of that yeah. is you could be right there, or you—you you are probably right yeah. there. <laughs> but I'm okay. They're saying it's PTG yeah. based. Well, right. So, do we, do we have a conclusion? Um, as always, it depends. 
<laughs> yeah, for most of the part, it's probably well, fine, it's, but there are some applications. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like the the conclusion of pretty much everything. Like, yeah, it it this or that. It depends. There isn't a best printer <laughs> out there. There isn't a best printing profile out there. Um, yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. Um, the best or, or yes no is is always hard, but I guess as a general advice like use ptg i guess yeah it's fine for so many yep. things cool so it's 2019 by the way which feels weird it feels really weird <laughs> i'm <laughs> still looking forward to starting my normal work again and always messing up the date on any on documents and <laughs> always have to make um <laughs> like a nine out of an eight which is kind of hard making a eight out of a seven Ooh, still yeah. worked but now it's getting hard <laughs> again pretty, i but... think i have to get some tipex or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so topic of the week what would we like to see for 2019 in the 3d printing and making space tom please start it's a really hard question for me <laughs> yeah it's predicting the future is, is in general kind of hard um Wishing for things to improve, I think, is, is more doable. So let's try that. 2019. I mean, what were the, the big things that happened in 2018 that kind of improved the landscape? Um, it was the year of... We, we briefly talked about this before the podcast. We, we sometimes prepare for this stuff. Uh, it was the year of the of the industry, kind of. right? It was cheap printers getting good enough. Um it was also kind of the year of the Prusa Mark III that came out in December of 2017. So um, all throughout 2018, that, that was still very, very relevant. So I would really wish for those two, well, extremes kind of combining, um, you know, as, as probably everyone does. <laughs> that, that would be a good thing for everyone, right? Um, more <coughs> intelligent design. And I think Reality have done a, a good job of, of designing the machines kind of intelligently without overusing or, or just throwing more material at it and, and throwing more more resources at it. I think that they've done a good job of building stuffs as uh, building stuff smart. Um, but also we what what we're definitely gonna be seeing in 2019 is more uh more of the stuff that you know for example uh, Ultimaker or Prusa have introduced um Prusa with the flex plates. The flex plate is still so good. Um, I'm actually going to be getting a, a third-party flex plate that I'm going to be able to put on the CR10. Um, I'm hoping that's that's going to be you know more prevalent, more more widespread. Which one will you be it's getting? Just the Wham the Wham Bam. Yeah. Oh, you uh, have one? Cool. Yes, I have one, but I didn't manage to put it on my CR10 yet. But uh, this. <laughs> oh, you also get the CR10 size. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so who is first? Nah. Uh, yeah, but I just got a shipping notification from FedEx no. uh, or DHL Express or someone. Yeah, um, that I hope becomes more widespread and, and more of, a, of an option, more machines. Um, simple stuff like film and runout sensors. Um, just the the printers becoming less of that dumb and, and, and blindly... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This, 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 these blind machines that just do what you tell them and they don't really understand what they're doing. I'm, I'm hoping we're going to see, you know, more of of that sensor 
array that uh, some printers are bringing. I mean, be it NFC spools or uh, auto bed leveling or, or those things. In well, general maybe even using smart stepper motor drivers like the Trinamic ones to notice yes. if you have a stall Please. or something like that. This is also something which could be <laughs> implemented kind of easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Trinamic drivers add cost. Yeah. It's, it kind of goes against yeah. that, okay, we want the, the cheapest possible uh, machine to without it. It's still usable. Um, I Yeah, Trinamic drivers for sure. There's so much unused potential in them, um, especially now that the newer generation after the 2130, mm. I think those were still first or second generation of the of their motion core. And now we have the, the newer generations that do more, um, that have better detection of, of stalling and, and smarter current management and, and all the things you actually want that nobody else has been doing yeah. before. There's something like so a if you get that. 600 page manual for I think the stepper <laughs> motor drivers or for the TMCs. Uh, which, is, which is crazy if we compare it against uh, an Allegro or the uh, what's that weird drive I've, used, I've, I've seen in the Monoprice. Um, some four digit basically Allegro equivalent, which is like a 16-page data sheet and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the stepper drivers definitely know so much about what the machine is doing. And it could also lead to, you know, being able to use more affordable materials elsewhere where you don't need to overbuild certain parts. Like, um, I mean, belts are already kind of at the, at the limit of what they can do. But maybe we can go towards the direction of, of the printer compensating for some of the flaws that you know the mechanics inherently have um and rep rep firmware on the do it and marlin is are, are kind of both working on that where they try to compensate for how filament flows through a hot end um by kind of counteracting the latencies and the yeah all the all the stuff that thing mm. is doing uh, maybe we can see the same thing for mechanics mm. linear advance taking for out ringing yeah. ringing yeah it's it's basically just a control loop that has minimal information about what the machine is currently mm. doing but gets some information about uh, that, that helps it predict what the machine should be doing and, and being able to counteract mm. that but this, so yeah taking care yeah, of yeah but this is something where and we're going to talk probably about that topic um in the questions uh 30 bit 32 bit controllers because you need more computational power in order to make it smarter and i think with well taking a look at the smart features on the prusa we are kind of at the edge where not that much more is is possible at the moment if i'm taking a look at there the um gerbil firmware which i use for my cncs they don't have like backlash compensation because they have issues with the memory and the computational power to manage everything and well if you just have more of the, of that you can um use smart algorithms for like compensating a ringing and all other things like that yeah there there is still a lot possible on the 8-bit boards <laughs> and the 8-bit controllers that we have um we're seeing some efforts in marlin where for example they're, they're starting to implement uh, s curve acceleration mm -hmm. which is like the smoothest sort of how you can <clears throat> accelerate a printer um guys listen guys and girls listening here uh if you if you just have your linear acceleration where it's like i go from zero i have a, a smooth or a straight up speed ramp to a certain set speed yes your acceleration is constant but your jerk is not and your 
pop, crackle, and snap are are not either. And and those are the things where it's like you change the acceleration abruptly. That's going to give you ringing. Um, and S curve acceleration, for example, which you know doesn't need any sort of feedback loop. S curve just makes sure that um, basically the derivative of the acceleration of the jerk is always that S curve. Mm. So you you have the maximum smoothness in your motion. Mm. And that, by nature, um, kind of takes out that the, the possibility to excite a, a, a an axis, which is basically what ringing mm. is, right? You excite it at a certain frequency, and then it just it wobbles for a bit until it settles down. And S curve just kind of takes care of that. Marlin is working on getting that implemented on the eight bit boards by optimizing the hell out of it. But I guess this is the problem. It requires a lot of skill and techniques to get it implemented. Yes. If you would just have like the uh, brute force approach, I don't care about yeah. computational power because I just have it. It would be much easier to implement things like that. So this is maybe something which Absolutely. which might be becoming more more common and more prominent in this year. 32-bit controllers, and then yeah, these smart, sure, smart features. I sure hope yeah. so. Because the thing is, as as an open source community, we only have so so many resources to throw at things, and it's it it, it always depends on what you allot those resources to. Um, of course, the community doesn't have like a, a vote. Okay, I want this, and then you know, twelve hundred votes for this and sixteen hundred for that. No, um, but if if developers have to spend their time on over-optimizing a specific set of code instead of just downloading something from somebody else or copy-pasting code into their, you know, overpowered 32-bit um, firmware, then, you know, one of them is, is obviously easier. And 32-bit isn't more, isn't even more expensive than 8-bit. It just, you know, people <laughs> just need to start using it. And firmware need to start yeah. supporting it better. That's, I guess, a bit of an issue. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> in, in my regard, um, so you've been talking lots about um, hardware and firmware. Uh, I think software is also something which is just more, will become more easy and more approachable this year. Um, I'm always kind of, <laughs> I kind of start laughing when everybody is always asking for the perfect profile for their printers. And is this better <laughs> than that one? And do, do you already have the magical profile of this guy or that guy? Um, With the latest versions of Slick 3R, don't hate me for that, uh, Cura. <laughs> Why would anyone hate you, you for you that? You won't hate me for that. It's um, a correct way of saying it. There's a three in there. Um, the thing is that the stock profiles um, already work really, really well. And I have seen that again with the Dremel printer. The profile they that, that delivered is, with their printer yeah didn't work as good as the stock profile you have in the current modern version. So I don't want to see people tinkering for, for days and days to find the perfect settings. At least that I would like to like work out of the box so they can spend more time on engineering on their projects, um, CAD and yeah. things like these. Um, that, If if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly here, that is something that you want uh, the printer manufacturer to do. Um, that that is in their responsibility to provide a better, complete experience for the user. Where it's not just hey, here's a here's a machine, use it, have fun, and that's it. You get like a three page manual on how to assemble the four screws that hold the X Y assembly to the bed, and and like good luck with the rest right um this is one thing thing but also like the the algorithms in the software and just the stock settings 
they are that good right. that they besides like changing the acceleration and speed value uh, sorry uh changing the retraction value and the speeds uh in in the software there is not much more to do for the user yeah and in in slick your pe pusher edition and i think that the main one as well um i've not really tuned in the profile we've been talking <laughs> about that last anymore. time it's like yeah, you, you open up, you, you create a def you use the default profile, you say, okay, the size, I, you drop in the nozzle, and maybe if, if it's a Bowden or not, you change the retraction, and yep. that's it. You get, you're get you going to get great prints out of that. Um, and for sure, slices have, maybe maybe it even ties into um, what I was talking before with like compensating, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, for the hardware. Uh, maybe slices can, can take some of that responsibility as well, and give you features well there's coasting and nozzle wipe um in yeah exactly yeah. those things but this is also something which you have tuned in in the end but um just making it possible and maybe giving some really good defaults for the generic bowden printer and the generic direct driven printer is a really good start and as i said i think we have come to the point where not that much tinkering in terms of um slicing settings isn't necessary anymore just because yeah. Yeah, it, it works quite well out, out of the box as i said the dremel printer they have their own version of cura and the print results with that version with their settings aren't as good as if i just use cura 3.6 and <laughs> use the standard profile <laughs> yeah um I guess I guess one more thing that I, that I do want to uh, that I would like to see for 2019 is you know people working together instead of against each other, um, and to, to to kind of make clear what I what I mean here is there's so much work or. or so many people are starting to use like these proprietary, um, like I've seen the Lurge board recently in the, in the Monoprice machine, these proprietary uh, setups with a firmware that is like almost <coughs> fully featured, um, that has a touchscreen interface that, that does all these things, um, but it's completely closed source. It is, you know, you pour in the resources, somebody, some developer pours in the resources into that and, you know, it, it, it might do 90% of the things people want, but um it, it might even do some things better than than some other solutions but the problem is once that developer goes away or the next big things comes next big thing comes around like they have to start from scratch if there's not something published if there's no open source um release of what of the work mm -hmm. they've done so it's it's not just that people get softer slices i mean the stuff we're talking about is already all open source and it's great because it has been people or, or communities sharing their knowledge and, and putting their their uh, input into it. That's why this software is so good. And I, I would like to see that being valued more um, over just, hey, buying into the next closed source thing that, you know, as soon as it goes away, as, as we're kind of seeing with Simplify 3D now, people have bought into the software and now they're not happy anymore. But what you're going to do, like, you've paid for the software that's that's it like it's closed mm -hmm. source um all the smart stuff they're doing as soon as you know if they go out of business that's it that's gone you go back to to slick and cura where you use the the simple well maybe you don't use the simplified 3d version anymore because the activation service go <laughs> offline good luck with that um so yeah i i, I do want to make that that point for please people if if you're 
if you're spending resources, whether that's buying new hardware, buying new software, um, make a conscious decision whether you want to support an open project, um, even financially. Like that's not out of the question. Um, like Marlin Firmware and well, Cure is an old funnable ultimaker, but the open source projects that you're using, um, maybe just shoot them five bucks or something instead of buying a, a closed source um, product that. Uh, my with all its knowledge may go away at some point and there is stuff like bounty source out there where it can specifically say hey please for this project i would like this thing implemented I'm, and i'm gonna you know attach five or ten bucks to that wish and it's gonna it, it accumulates up to you know whatever and, and as soon as somebody solves that problem or fixes that um they get that bounty <laughs> so which is actually a really nice model um and i, I would like to see that used more and and you know just, just putting it out there. That is an option to make uh, open source developers do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about people out there, uh, we have some questions. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like there was one more thing for twenty nineteen, but maybe maybe it comes to me. <laughs> we we can edit that back in later. Nobody will notice. Oh yeah. no, no, we we never edit our podcast. <laughs> we actually <laughs> this don't. Is all, this is all uncut. We actually really don't. It's it's really easy for editing i don't know if we should but it's just like finding no, the beginning no, no, finding no. the end and that's basically it youtube wants uh, watch time okay. that's that's the message and that is exactly why there is no video on how to drive ptg on my channel yet <laughs> thank you for that question T's ts 3d prints yes but i have already replied this what morning that i actually did something regarding that topic and finding out what the difference in material properties is if you dry out your PTG, if you don't dry it out, if you get it really dry. Um, Yes. And just, well, staying on that topic, um, and I just noticed that again and again and again, um, it just is sometimes required to dry out your filament because otherwise you won't get happy happy you will get jams you will get horrible print results you will get stringing and all of that so everyone who is not just printing plain old pla should think about that topic if you have ever problems with your prints think about if moisture could be an issue and this can also be the case and this has been happening to me many times if the filament is directly out of the bag with the silica gel inside. This doesn't mean that your filament is dry. Um, yeah, because I mean, during manufacturing, there is no drying well, step. Well, you there. Like, it's it's spooled and then it's sealed and that's. If it. you well, if you are buying your filament from one of these big manufacturers, there is an option that you can pre get your filaments pre dried, but this adds more cost to the material. So um, usually, yeah. this amount of money is not spent. Especially since um, the, well, the uh, vacuum bags that you're using, they are not like 100% um, closed for air and moisture molecules. So if even though it's it's vacuum sealed, it will accumulate some moisture over over time. I guess those those aluminum coated ones that um, I think Matterhackers uses for their nylon X, which is like the, mm. the the silver thicker ones. Um, those have the aluminum coating just to be absolutely sure that yeah. nothing gets in and out, right? But just the the the, the shrink wrap, basically the, the, yeah. the simpler stuff that is not 
moisture tight. Now, film and manufacturing like explicitly has the filament in contact with yeah. moisture, with liquid water, in fact. Um, and you know, you, you have your you have your uh, your raw resin it gets extruded, um, and it immediately runs through a water bath to cool down. Then it gets worn into a spool, either onto a um, you know into the final size or into a bigger master spool and that then gets rewound but at no point is there a, a drying step usually involved um and yeah yeah the, the small pack of silica gel is not going to do anything during transport yep. so get it definitely and it i mean pla kind of pla is is moisture sensitive but not as much like a, a, a wet pla is still going to print yes well, right? but i have noticed with the modified plas that moisture can become an issue mm. again so i have some pla pluses or tough pla a's around here which didn't print really that nice out of the box i dried them and they were perfectly fine so just get yourself a dehumidifier and put your precious um filaments in there and when you get them out of the dehumidifier put them in a box with lots of silica gel and yeah. you will be all set the box is never box is never going to be perfectly airtight um just due to uh like ambient pressure yeah. changes uh, it is, it's always yeah. going to breathe slightly so you will need to dry that silica gel every now yeah. and then as well um, but like the the kilo yeah. of silica gel i have in my box that lasts me for a year well i don't open the box like every day but yeah. if you open it like just one two times a week it's totally fine and the moisture in there is like below 10 percent, perfectly fine for Absolutely. filament storage yeah and they do have that that changing colorant in there so usually they're like mm -hmm. orange when they're dry and then they turn green uh once they've kind of saturated with moisture we're almost at that point so you, you even know when to dry them so it's, it's a really simple yeah. solution and there are some like these small there are some small electric oh, yeah, yeah small packages with silica gel in there and when it is saturated you can take it out just like put it on a charging station and it dries out itself again and then you can you can put it back into the box and supposedly these also work kind of well well I, I thought you were going to talk about something else there um well you can okay. also put a full-size dehumidifier <laughs> in your box no no what 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 i thought uh you, you were getting at is i've seen these small like no moving part um dehumidified discs yes. basically somewhere on youtube was it was it um uh, big 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 c live big live.com yeah. well, however you pronounce them uh, so basically like they're, they're pretty expensive um so it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to use them for this but it's it's like small passive well not passive but no moving parts um inserts you, you drill a hole into your box and it like slowly moves your water molecules out without actually draining air so those would be perfect for something like this where you don't have a ton of um moisture that gets added into enclosure but it's just it just needs to maintain that low um low mm -hmm. humidity level so yeah but they're like they're like 50 60 bucks for a for a small disc that does a, a few micrograms of of moisture per <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't dehumidify yeah. a lot well silica gel is also um kind of expensive yeah uh, for for ten bucks, you can get like a, a big sack of this stuff and eat, eat right every now okay. and then. I don't think it's it's that big of a deal. All right, next question. Yeah, or use 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 uh, what is it? Cats no, it doesn't work. Litter. 
been there, doesn't done work? that, doesn't work. Okay. Well, I okay. maybe it's been maybe too often. I should have um well dried it at first, but I got it out of the bag, put it into my dry box, didn't change anything. Aren't they like two different types of that as well? <sighs> These were some Where really nice and... like translucent crystals, horribly expensive. Oh. <laughs> um <laughs> For okay. the for the really pretty cats, work. it didn't work cool. for me. Maybe somebody else has Gets better later. experience with that. But I tried it out; it didn't work yeah. for me. Silica works. Silica for sure. works. Um, which we can yeah. both confirm. Next question, which we have already been talking about. Um, Janis Rokans Rokans has been asking about upgrading his uh, heavily modified CR10s with a new control board. Um and yes, so he's he's already done a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, mechanical mods, created his own master spool, uh, E3D V6, and now the next thing will be like, hey, should I get a new control board? So, uh, his his points of of attack here are basically okay. Uh, I want some better stepper drivers. And what firmware am I going to use with 32-bit? So, first of all, does he need 32-bit for CR10? Well, he he, he doesn't no. need it. No. <laughs> but the question is, um, is it still worth buying a 32-bit control board, which maybe has dynamic drivers on it? I mean, the, the one option for that would be to do it, right? Yeah. Um, Oh, they do it, Maestro. I'm, how much is it? 110 actually? pounds. I've just checked. How much is the pound worth right now? Um, <laughs> hey, Google. Not a lot, um, right? Don't you have an Alexa or something around you? <laughs> I, I I don't, but my, my okay. phone's always listening. So <laughs> 125 it, euros. So that's like $140. Okay. So pricey for a CR10. Probably the, the most expensive upgrade he's done so far. He would have done so yeah. far, right? Um, and I mean, you don't really need 32-bit for, for a Cartesian printer unless, you know, those features come along for, um, you know, S-curve acceleration and uh, smart compensation and blah, 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 web interfaces. So you do get a lot and you do get a lot of potential right now. Um, but he was also talking about web interfaces and the Duet board, for example, would already include... A web interface it has wi-fi included Absolutely. so it would be a nice option for that it has the trinamic drivers on there so you can get quieter and higher micro stepping which is also a benefit uh, even though um you maybe do not see um well better results in the end because the micro stepping we already use on our printers is already kind of sufficient but noise nah. <laughs> Yeah, bad micro-stepping, not dynamic micro-stepping yes. is something definitely different. Yeah. Um, so they do it to Maestro, the budget version. Um, TMC2224 drivers, so I think that's the serial or one of those. Newer generation, um, I believe, than the 2130 even. Um, and you get Ethernet, you don't get Wi-Fi with the do it to Maestro, which is still fine right it's still it's still networked and uh if you want wi-fi you can just get a bridge those are what 20 bucks 
whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a nice upgrade to go for a 32-bit board, and especially for a do-it. Um, but if it's just for the stepper drivers, hmm. better buy just a normal Rams and put better stepper motor drivers on there. Yeah, well, well, don't don't buy the Rams either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of. Didn't you actually make a I, make I, a video about upgrading a Rams with dynamic drivers or something like that? I've done videos on the dynamic drivers themselves, and I I think I just happened to use a Rams for that. <laughs> Um, but it's it's the same for any other board that is uh, compatible with the standard Polo format of drivers, which is a, a standard yeah. driver board. Um, 32 bit is a tough one, but I, the, the the one thing that that's been confusing us is um, maybe invest in a in a 16 bit board. Yanis um, is also asking. I've I've looked up before. Like, is there a 16 bit microcontroller? And there are a few uh, pick. Microcontrollers and the MSP, uh, yeah, the MSP430 is also 16-bit, but it's not. Those are not processors that are being used in, uh, in in 3D printing at all. I don't think there's a single firmware that runs those. So, 16-bit is not necessarily a middle ground, and I think that there might be a bit of a misunderstanding of of what that even means. So. I right. guess the step from from 8-bit is going to the 32-bit. I don't know if there are 64-bit controllers out there and i don't think there's the necessity at the moment for that so if you want to upgrade your board yeah. and you want to get more bits get 32 bits <laughs> yeah and the, the bits i mean the bits themselves don't really help you with anything <laughs> um it's just that you know an 8-bit board kind of implies that you're running a 16 megahertz um atmo mm. processor that's kind of what the 8-bit board is um and 32-bit is, is just naturally because it's a more modern architecture, you're getting more modern processors with uh, higher clock speeds and higher instructions per clock and, and all those things, plus more functionality and, and more RAM and all that. Well, 8-bit does have a, a limit on how much RAM it can address. But like the bits themselves, again, they don't really give you anything. It's, it's all the other things that come with the fact that it's a new yeah. platform. Uh, do we have an answer for this now? <laughs> should 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 uh, should Yanis go with a thirty-two bit board? Eight. Is there? Do, do you have a recommendation for for a good eight-bit board? No, I don't because I I'm yeah, not neither. really good <laughs> at that. So, I I think the do it would be a good thing, but you have to invest like one hundred forty to one hundred sixty. Uh, euros for that you'll get the quieter stepper motor drivers, and you're probably good for the next couple of years. Yeah, and I, I'm confident that do it is gonna um, is proliferate the right word here. Do it is a is a is a good platform to to be at um, for yeah. sure, and it's a board that that can move with you as you're switching printers, as you may or may not do mm -hmm. in the future. All right, let's answer let's answer one more. Yes. Because this is Last a quick question one. of the day. Left 149 asks um, if I made something and it was infringing on a patent. If I don't sell it, will I be infringing on the patent? First things first, we are not lawyers. But Tom, I guess you had at least an opinion on that. Yeah, again, so this is not legal advice and don't, don't hold us accountable for this. But here's the... And, and also, like... This is 
we, we have so many different patent uh, laws over the world. This isn't just one thing that is that applies to everyone. Um, but generally, um, I mean, first of all, if nobody sees that you're uh, using the patent for your own purposes and you, you don't you don't like advertise or sell or make money off of that, like nobody's gonna care really. If you if you just use it for your own fun, um, whatever. Nobody's going to sue you for that. Um, and the other thing is most patent regulations have like explicit um, passages in there where it's, is it, that does, pat, uh, paragraphs, <laughs> that's the word, um, where it's, um, you can use the the tech and the processes and the everything in a patent that is described in there uh, for private purposes and for research uh, specifically as long as it's not in the, in the product that you're selling it's it's like explicitly fine in many jurisdictions so to answer that question for for life one for nine yes you are you are absolutely uh, in the green with using a patented technology or process or whatever uh, as long as you're not selling it basically I don't know if you ha also have an opinion on that I was already thinking about is it i am i infringing on a patent if i show like how i can make myself patent technology in a youtube video because i'm more or less making money from that video or do i infringe a patent if i show somebody else how to infringe a patent <laughs> i My, my, my intuition would be no um, for the following reason. A patent is not just um, you know, a document that tells you, hey, I, I as the patent holder can use this tech exclusively over the next 20 years. A patent originally was also intended as a means of sharing knowledge. Um, I mean, the, the idea was, hey, you have this thing where you document the entire process, your entire technology of what you're doing And then once your patent runs out, once you get those fair uh, years of exclusivity and the monopoly on that tech, everyone else can use it because it's it's documented in that patent on how to do it. So basically, I think by, by showing people how to infringe a patent, you're doing nothing more than reciting the already public patent itself. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't see the problem with that. But again, ask a okay. lawyer if you're really unsure about that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's it for today. Fantastic. Well, it was good talking to you again in this first episode of 2019. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for your time out there. Thanks for watching and listening. And we'll see you, peer you, you'll peer us in the next one. Yeah, 2019 is still so weird to say. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.